0: Uh, See you so far? Are they not so so far? Thank you. Okay, so just a few questions. Um, So, if you'd like to tell us your name and a little bit about yourself, your family, and such.
1: Well, hello. Uh, My name is Gareth Burke, and uh, I'm a minister in Stramulus Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which is on the Stramulus Road, and we're surrounded by students. Uh, where the church is. Um, Students from Queens, I'm afraid. Uh, Sorry about that. Um, That's how it is. And uh, I'm married. I have one wife and uh, uh, four four children, two girls and two boys. And the oldest boy and the oldest girl are both married. And uh, I have uh, one grandson. How was that? So. You were meant to gasp in amazement that one so young could have a grandson. I'll yeah. try it again. look very well. I grandson.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You're a very young granddad. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you Just someone you. to give you. Um, so I was going to ask you about your job, but you've already covered that, so that's right. fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, do you have a hobby? What is your main hobby?
1: I'm well, uh, uh, sort of reluctant to say because you probably think it's a bit weird, but... Uh, Anyway, I follow Weird, politics. I follow politics, and I love Channel 81 on the television, the Parliament channel,
0: the BBC one, live
1: House of Commons. Good. Yeah.
0: Well, that's a yeah. hobby. It's <laughs> of interesting. It's good.
1: Yeah. Recommend it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Uh, what is the most boring thing you can think of doing? The most boring <laughs> thing. Yeah. Oh uh,
1: well, cutting the hedge really. <laughs> <laughs> cutting a hedge. That's a good yeah. shout
0: the Hedge is extremely boring. Okay, so just a few quickfire questions. Some of you probably won't get, but we'll just ask them anyway. Hey, s- social gatherings or parties?
1: Uh, <laughs> I-, I do get it.
0: <laughs> social gatherings, yes. <laughs> sure, that's good. Um, tea or biscuits? Oh, tea, thanks. A hey, Mac or PC? Hello? Mac or PC? <laughs> uh, computers?
1: Yeah, yeah, PC.
0: <laughs> PC. <Ooh. laughs> I agree with that. Hey, Red Bull or boost? <laughs> He's probably the only yeah, guy in the room who doesn't yeah, have an Coke, answer to that. Coke. Coke, okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> Coke. Coke, okay. <laughs> Salted or sweet popcorn?
1: Well, didn't get the first
0: one, but not the popcorn. Salted or sweet popcorn?
1: Oh, salted or sweet? Neither. Neither?
0: Thanks. Okay. Thank you. A fobs or rockets? Lollies. <laughs> <laughs> a, fo- a fob lolly or a rocket lolly? You don't know of either? Yeah. No? Well...
1: They don't really go with
0: the Parliament Channel. Well, okay. <laughs>
2: Sorry.
0: Right, Sammy Skimmed our whole milk. Oh, whole milk. Mm-hmm. Whole milk, the blue stuff. Um, Tesco or Asta or Marks and Spencer's or Sainsbury's or Lidl? Sainsbury's?
1: Sainsbury's,
0: okay. Yeah. Sorry. We said Tesco or Asta, but thought we'd better add more in just in case. Um, and then a personal question is, can you make a pancake <laughs> without an egg? <laughs> Or Justin, can you make a pancake without an egg?
1: Can I make a pancake without an egg? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well,
0: no. No. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Right. Um, Serious one ten. Favorite Bible verse or passage?
1: Yes. Well, I think that this one keeps changing. You know. But just yeah. now, favorite verse would be Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good okay. to those who love God.
0: That's a really good one. And in a few words, would you like to summarize what you're speaking on tonight?
1: Yes. Uh, really, God is in control. That's the bottom line. If you want a kind of strap line for it, God is in control. He's in charge.
0: OK, that's good. And uh, just before we start, um, the CU phone, again, I mentioned it. If you have any questions during the talk, um, text the CU phone. Try not to text, like, as he's about to walk off the stage when Cherie's asking him questions, because you're probably not going to get your question answered. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll just, we'll just pray, and then if you Thanks. want to speak. Okay. Um. So, dear Lord, I just pray for Gareth as he brings the word to us. I pray it'll be the words that really speak into our hearts and the words that we really need to hear tonight. Um, and I just pray for your blessing over tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you. If you want, thanks very much. Thank you. Well, it is really great to be here. Thank you for the invitation and thank you for the welcome, and it's lovely to be able to share with you um, from God's word. Uh, We're looking together at Daniel chapter ten. And Daniel 11. I'm not going to read this portion just now, but we're going to read sections as we go through um, this evening. The main focus is going to be on chapter 10. and Those of you who have read chapter 11 will understand why. Um, Chapter 11 is a very uh, complex chapter, and I'll certainly be referring to it this evening, but my main focus is going to be on uh, chapter 10. Now, last Sunday in church, I had what can only be described as a kind of nightmare morning. Two things went wrong. Uh, First of all, just before I got up to preach, I opened my Bible, and my notes are always in the back of my Bible. I opened my Bible, and there were no notes. There were no notes. And it was about two minutes um, before I got up to preach, so that really got me panicking. And then after the service... I went to the door. It was a bit cold. I decided to put my coat on uh, when I was shaking hands with people going out. And there was a young man went by me quite quickly and I wanted to have a little chat with him. So I was putting my coat on at the same time as chatting uh, to this young man. I was putting my arm down the sleeve of the coat and I went sort of like that to get my arm down the sleeve. And unknown to me, a little boy from the congregation about this height was standing up my legs. And I literally thumped him (laughs) On the side of the head. And you should have seen the look on his face. Now, he wasn't badly injured. He wasn't badly injured, but he he just looked so shocked. The poor chap, he looked so shocked. And I can just imagine this Sunday, all the mummies, before the boys and girls go out to church, they'll get their children together and say, We're going out the side door today because, you know, (laughs) he might just randomly hit you on the way out. It was a nightmare. How do you deal with your pastor or your minister at the church door? It's an interesting study, you know. There's the good morning people. Good morning. And they just keep moving. Then there's the good morning, quite wet today, pastor, those people. And then they move on fairly quickly. But what do you say to your minister, or to your pastor at the church door? Do you, do you ever pick up on the sermon? Do you ever say, see the second point? That was helpful to me. I really got something from that. Now, if you say that every week, it becomes mechanical and, you know, a bit sort of empty. But believe me, it is massively encouraging if from time to time, someone actually picks up on the Word and comments upon it. This happened to me some years ago. It wasn't massively encouraging on this occasion. I was preaching on Daniel chapter 6, on how Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel was a man of prayer daily. He prayed three times. And I was speaking about the need to be faithful in prayer every day, to be disciplined in terms of our life of prayer, to have routine and regularity in our life of prayer. And on the way out, a lady was really incensed about the sermon. She said, I don't get all this duty and discipline when it comes to prayer I just wait for the prompting of the Spirit, and whenever He comes, I pray. I don't like all this emphasis on the quiet time and all of that. But Daniel was a man of prayer, regular, disciplined in his prayer life. But undoubtedly, from time to time, he had special times of prayer. Last week, uh, in Daniel chapter 9, you'll have seen that. It was a special time of prayer. And again this evening, in Daniel chapter 10, we shall see that this also was a special time of prayer for Daniel. So we're going to see something tonight about prayer. We're also going to see something tonight about Jesus. And then in this passage, Daniel 10 and 11, there is something too about the important subject of spiritual warfare. And the third, final thing, the fourth thing that we'll look at, and this is mainly in Daniel 11, is God's plan. So that's where we're going this evening. Here are the four things which I believe are before us in these two chapters. But once more, here is Daniel in prayer. Read with me, please. In Daniel chapter 10, at the beginning... In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. Here is Daniel in prayer. Why is he praying? Why is he praying? That's the first thing we want to think about. Well, notice what it tells us in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Don't you remember Cyrus? Cyrus. We read about him in Ezra chapter 1 and verses 1 to 4. Cyrus, king of Persia, told the exiles that they could go back to Jerusalem. They could go back to Jerusalem. The empire of Babylon had fallen. The Persians had become the great ruling power. Cyrus was the ruler. And he said, you can go back to Jerusalem, you Jews, return and build the temple. Why was Daniel praying? Because very, very few of the exiles had returned. Now, he had stayed on. He didn't go back to Jerusalem. He was an old man by this stage. He was well into his 80s. I have no doubt that God had shown him that he was to stay in Babylon, that he had worked still to do there. But very few had gone. And Daniel was discouraged. They got very comfortable in captivity. They got very comfortable in Babylon under the Persians. It was cozy. And he was disappointed with God's people. I think another reason uh, why he was, was praying was he had heard word that the exiles who had returned to Jerusalem were experiencing a lot of trouble. A lot of of opposition. So, he was praying because the church, God's people, was in a bit of a mess. God's people had got very comfortable, very cozy in the world. God's people were knowing trouble and persecution. But notice something else. Notice, secondly, how he was praying He is praying for three weeks, verse 2. He's eating no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. Now, what's that all about? What does it mean that I didn't use any skin lotions for three weeks? That sort of conjures up in my mind vanity, you know. A man standing in front of the mirror rubbing in Nivea cream, you know, and saying, is my skin soft? Now, why would a man in his 80s want to have soft, soft skin, huh? Well, it wasn't like that at all. Because of the heat, uh, people rubbed various lotions into their face to prevent their skin from cracking. But Daniel is so troubled by the state of God's people, Daniel is so troubled by the way in which they have become so comfortable in the world. He's bothered by the amount of opposition which God's people are experiencing, those who have returned to Jerusalem, that he's really set himself to pray. And he's not going to bother with a whole lot of the niceties of life. He's going to abstain from eating. He's going to abstain from lotions and creams and all of those things. And he's going to give himself with tremendous diligence and focus To prayer. I don't know about you, but I think he's quite amazing. Prayer. Gonna really give myself to prayer. When did I, when did you last spend a full day praying? Now, I know what you're going to say, because everyone always says it. Oh, well, it would be very hard for me to go for a full day, you know, because I have this condition and I couldn't. Everyone always tells me that. And, you know, I, I, I couldn't go for a full day without, you know, without eating. Well, I'm not suggesting you don't eat at all. You know, bring a bottle of Pepsi or Coke or Red Bull. <laughs> Maybe not. Um well, Whatever you need, you know, have, have something there. But when did you and I last give ourselves to prayer for a day? And here's Daniel fervently and with focus crying on to God because he sees the state that God's people, the church, is in. And he's not going to bother with anything for three weeks. He's going to seek God. Notice also where he is praying. He tells us that he is standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. Very simple truth. Let me repeat it. You can pray anywhere, anywhere. Now, there's some people who say, no, 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 no. You have to be alone in your bedroom, on your knees beside your bed. You can pray there. But you can pray anywhere. I find the cars a great place um, for prayer, especially a long journey where you, you often do. Some of you maybe go home at the weekend, get the washing done, get stocked up with the buns. You know the road inside out. Now, I'm not encouraging not to focus on the road. <laughs> no. But you know what I mean. You do know what inside out. The M1, for example. And you're there, 55, inside lane, no one around, what a wonderful place to pray. Turn off cool FM or whatever it is you listen to, or radio bore, whatever it is, and just focus on the Lord. Daniel in prayer. Then the second thing we see in this passage, Daniel chapter 10, is something about Jesus, because Daniel is given a vision of Jesus. Read with me, please, in chapter 10 and at verse 5. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me, trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. He sees a vision of Jesus. It's a vision of Jesus in His glory. It's very similar to the vision that's given to the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 1. Daniel sees something of the glory and the majesty and the splendor of Jesus. So don't forget this, that the Jesus in whom we trust, the Jesus who is our Savior, He's a mighty Jesus. He's a strong Jesus He's the Jesus that stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John and shone in all his divine glory. The Christ who who we love. The Christ who saved us from our sin. He's a mighty Christ. He's a strong Jesus. And something else about Jesus here Jesus speaks to Daniel. Daniel. You who are highly esteemed. It's a pre-incarnation appearance of Christ. And Christ speaks to Daniel and he says to him, Daniel, and I paraphrase it, I think a lot about you. I think a lot about you. Isn't that fantastic? Maybe you're feeling a bit down, a bit unaffirmed, a bit yuck. Are you a Christian? Very simple truth. But Jesus loves you. I'm thinking about you tonight. Says our Savior to you. As he prays, Jesus comes to him in his glory, reassures him, and affirms him. But there's something else here in this passage, something quite remarkable, something about spiritual warfare. You will notice this in verses 12 to 14 especially, Daniel 10 at verse 12, Jesus speaks, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come." Now, this is quite a remarkable section. Because in this section, Jesus is saying to Daniel, Daniel, I have been involved in warfare with the prince of Persia. And in that warfare with the prince of Persia, I have been helped by one of the angels known as Michael. You see, if you're a Christian and you're here tonight, then you are involved in warfare. Satan and the powers of darkness are against you. Didn't Paul tell us that in Ephesians 6? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian, You're involved in warfare. I'm going to tell you that Satan and the powers of darkness don't want you to be here at CU. Don't want you to be listening to God's Word. Now, you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's a bit dramatic. I was sitting in a flat with a couple of friends, having a cup of tea, and they said, are you going down to CU tonight? And I said, I don't know. And then they said, come on ahead. You know, that's how I came to be here. So like, you know, all this about Satan being against me, being in CU, is just a little bit too dramatic, but it's not. Now, now you may not have come for the word. I'm going to confess to you something openly this evening. After I studied at Queens, I studied some theology in Edinburgh. I wasn't a student at Edinburgh University, but I stayed in a place where most of the the other folk there were students at Edinburgh University, and they used to ask me along to the Christian Union in Edinburgh on a Friday evening, and I went. Very good speakers, but the lady, who is now my wife, also went, and I knew that. Now, girls, if there's a fellow sitting near you tonight who's got all Jeffrey now, (laughs) that's because I've unmasked him. (laughs) You know why he's here. (laughs) But Satan doesn't want that either. He doesn't want that either. He doesn't doesn't want you, if you're a Christian fellow, he doesn't want you marrying a Christian girl or a Christian girl marrying a Christian. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He wants you to marry some whatever, celebrity lookalike to unconverted. That's what he wants. You are in a warfare. The powers of darkness are against you and they're against me. And I ask you to pray for me because I find more and more that when you speak about Satan and the powers of darkness and how he's at work, then Satan really gives you a pounding afterwards. Because what we're being told here in Daniel 10 verses 12 to 14 is that there's a struggle going on in the heavenly realms, that spiritual warfare is is taking place in the heavenly places. And Jesus is, is telling Daniel, look, I've been involved in battle with the prince of Persia. And I've been assisted in this battle by Michael, one of the angels. Now, there's absolutely no doubt that Jesus is going to win. There's absolutely no doubt that the Savior and and the Lord is, is going to prevail in this battle. But nevertheless, this battle is taking place in the heavenly realms. And what we know here on earth is a reflection of that battle that's taking place above. We read further um, of that battle in verses 20 and 21. Do you know why I have come to you? That's what Jesus said. Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. Now, I came across this marvelous quotation from a gentleman called Tremper Longman III. Isn't that a great name? He's an American. Um, Tremper Longman the uh, Third, And here it is, okay, It's a wee bit long, but it sums up exactly what's going on in this chapter. The picture that emerges from Daniel 10, 12 to 14, is that of a heavenly conflict. On one side stands those spiritual forces that emanate from the Lord. The speaker, Jesus, and Michael fight on God's side. On the other side stands the prince of the Persian kingdom, who himself is powerful but we are to understand that he is evil as well. Daniel 10 in particular witnesses to the association in some sense of demonic powers with special geographical regions. So Daniel is a man of prayer. He's bothered by the state of God's people. They're too cozy, too comfortable in the world. And those who are out and out for God are knowing persecution. So he sets himself to pray. And as he prays, Jesus makes himself known to Daniel. Jesus, in his power and glory, reminds Daniel that he's strong, that he's mighty, that he's in control. And reminds Daniel on a personal level that he loves him. And then as he goes on speaking with Daniel... He shows Daniel that as long as he's in this life, he's going to be involved in warfare. The powers of darkness are against him. Conflict in the heavenly places reflected in conflict on earth. But then the big thing, and the fourth thing, the whole of chapter 11, Jesus reveals to Daniel God's plan. Now, chapter 11 is very closely argued. What we're looking at in chapter 11 is prophecy. It's Jesus showing to Daniel what's going to happen in coming days. Uh, I have made out a sheet uh, that gives uh, a lot of detail about Daniel chapter 11. It's absolutely incredible that the events which are predicted there took place exactly according to the word of prophecy. Hundreds of years beforehand, the Savior reveals to Daniel what's going to happen. Uh, And what the Savior had to say took place with incredible accuracy. Now, we're not going to go through all the detail of it tonight. I have about 50 sheets, and uh, made them out uh, verse by verse so that you can see the word of prophecy and how that word was fulfilled. And I'll leave them just at the back. I was showing them to my daughter before coming out, and she said, Dad, there's hardly going to be a queue for those. Um, I thought it looked rather dull. (laughs) But if you're a serious student of the Bible, and Daniel 11 has been given to us by God, then do lift a sheet, please, um, as you go out. Here's the general plan that we find in uh, Daniel 11. First of all, in the verses 2, 3, and 4, we read about how the empire of Persia will give way to the empire of Greece. Babylon was the great dominant world power. Babylon gives way to Persia, and Persia in turn will give way to Greece. Alexander the Great will become the the notable ruler uh, of the Greek empire. He dies, as you know, at a very young age. The empire is divided into four, uh, but very quickly, the empire is essentially divided into two. And verses 5 to 20 in uh, uh, chapter 11 give us a lot of details about the kings of the north and their battles and their struggles with the kings of the south. So you have Babylon, you have Persia, you have Greece after Greece, things begin to splinter, first into four, then into two uh, dominant powers, Syria and Egypt, the north and the south, conflict and battle. I'm very nervous that there be students of ancient history here, and you will be uh, aghast at the simplification of all of this. But that's essentially what's being revealed there to, to Daniel. What's What's going uh, to happen? And then in verses 21 to 35, we read about this man, Antiochus Epiphanes. Um, He rises up, he becomes a great, powerful, uh, dominant ruler, the king of the north. Um, Judah is trapped in the midst of this conflict between the north and the south. Antiochus Epiphanes, he occupies Jerusalem, he um, engages in sacrilege in the temple. And then the last part of the chapter deals with the subject of the Antichrist or the man of sin. Now, we could, of course, identify the Antichrist this evening, but we just haven't time. So we have to leave that. But you study it and don't even think about texting a question on it, please. (laughs) Don't even think about it. See what's happening, Daniel, you're worried, you're troubled, you're wondering what's going to happen to God's people, well, Jesus says, don't panic, Daniel, I'm in control. I know the future. Empires will rise, empires will fall, more persecution will come against God's people, An evil man like Antiochus Epiphanes will rise up and ultimately, before I come again, Daniel, the man of sin will appear, the Antichrist. He who is opposed to me and opposed to the gospel and opposed to the church will rise up in the last days before I come. But Daniel, I know all about it. I'm in control. Don't panic, Daniel. I'm in control. So that's reassuring, isn't it? The Lord knows the future. He knows what's going to happen. And His ways are beyond us. We sang a song, I am not skilled to understand what God has willed, what God has planned. His ways are beyond us. But He's in control. He knows what He's doing. He has got things planned out. Don't panic, Daniel. Don't panic. I'm with you, and I'm the king, the glorious king. Now, maybe you're here tonight, and uh, you think this has all been a little dark. There's a challenge about our lives of prayer. Am I praying as I should be? Am I praying with the fervency And the commitment that I see in Daniel, have I ever taken time out to spend a whole day in prayer? I'm involved in warfare. The powers of darkness are against me. Yes, Jesus is king and he's glorious. But Satan and the very forces of hell are against me as well. But here is reassurance. Jesus reigns. He's the king. He's in control. He's working his purposes out in this world, and in our lives. Maybe your life tonight is a bit messed up. Maybe you've got a massive problem. Maybe you're very troubled tonight. Are you a Christian? Is Jesus your Savior? Then He's with you, and He's in control. Your life is in His hands. He hasn't forgotten you and although it may seem incredibly messy just now, don't despair. He knows what he's doing. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the King, that you are glorious that you are mighty. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you know the future. We bless you that you are working your purposes out. We thank you that you will never leave us. We thank you that although there are mighty struggles going on, you will always win and always prevail. Help us to spend much time with you. Help us, O Lord, that we may delight to be found in your presence. Forgive us if we've become too cozy in this world and too unconcerned about your church and your people. Stir us, we ask, and hear us now. Amen.
2: just a few wee questions okay um how do you motivate a group of people to be passionate about prayer
1: yes it's a good question um i've sort of had a change of heart on this one uh, in terms of a church context i was forever going on you know about you need to come to the prayer meeting you must come to the prayer meeting why don't you come to the prayer meeting are you coming this week pity you weren't there last week you know, on and on and on. And then you would get a response and, you know, four, five, six more people would come out and you would think, oh, that's worked. But then after about three weeks, they dropped off. Um, I think that the best way, and this might sound a really sort of cop-out in terms of an answer, but is, is to pray, to pray about it. Because it involves the heart. It involves the attitude of heart. You know, people have got to desire God and they've got to desire the place of prayer. And all the sort of sanctified nagging won't work. We got to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring that desire, I think.
2: And mm-hmm. um, just coming on for that, the next question, um, so do you think corporate prayer meetings are a good way forward? Come again, please. Do you think corporate prayer meetings are a good way forward?
1: Ah, uh, Corporate prayer meetings, yes, yes. Uh, well, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to have personal prayer. We must never neglect that uh, every day. We need personal prayer. But coming together to pray is, is New Testament. Uh, the early church did it. It's there. Book of Acts and elsewhere. Um, it's, it's a practice that is very encouraging because sometimes prayer, often prayer is difficult. But when you sit down with others, uh, it's a stimulus to pray and definitely
2: Okay, and then the last question, and um, we're all from church, different church backgrounds, but um just this one, do you think that the gift of prophecy is used properly today amongst God's people to glorify God
1: well that's an interesting question <laughs> yes yes, it, it is um, I suppose uh, we are all from different churches and uh, we're, we come here to, to see you because we're committed to the gospel. Um, we're committed to the Lord Jesus and have faith in Him. And we're also committed to sharing that good news uh, with others, and, and going out there, uh, like in the, in the video, uh, and uncover mm-hmm. and sharing sharing the good news um, uh, with, with with those who are on campus. That's my preamble. Uh, <laughs> Now, obviously, in an interdenominational gathering, we're going to have a whole variety of views uh, on subjects like baptism and uh, church government and uh, women in, in, in office, in, in church life and, and, and in preaching, uh, a whole range of, of things. We could have a whole other whole lit- doors nearby. A whole range of things. Um, So all all I can do is is share with you um, my own position on prophecy, um, which which may not be yours, and and I respect that, and uh, we have to respect one another in the Lord. I I personally think that the kind of prophecy uh, that we read off in the book of Daniel uh, was Obviously, valid at that time and and right through into the New Testament era. But I I do think um, that that kind of prophecy, uh, that is, foretelling the future, uh, is a gift uh, no longer found in the church uh, because of the completion of the canon of Scripture. Um, So I'm basically saying that as far as foretelling the future is concerned, uh, I see that as being a gift that was there among God's people until the completion of the canon of Scripture. But there is another side to prophecy there is the foretelling and the forthtelling, because the prophets did both. They foretold the future, but they also foretold the word of God. And that is, of course, still valid. The, the preaching of God's word and the application of that word to everyday society is, is something much needed in the church. I hope that that's uh, not offensive to uh, anyone, but it's my personal position. I'm quite happy to um, discuss it with you afterwards over a can of Red Bull. Thank you.
2: And just finally then, um, uh, aren't we in a battle that has already been essentially won? So in what way should we fight in this spiritual battle then?
1: Yeah, it's good, it's good. Um, Ephesians 6, um, the Christian armor. Uh, yeah, the battle is essentially won. Uh, and if we're with Jesus, uh, he will prevail and, and he'll hold on to us. Uh, but we still have to fight. Um, it's the, the, the difference between uh, D-Day and uh, V-E-Day. You know that illustration? In the Second World War, uh, how uh, the Allies uh, invaded Europe on the 6th of June, 1944. A decisive moment, and from that moment on, Hitler was finished, but he continued to fight until VE Day, uh, when there was the final victory. Um, So we're in that period of time between D-Day and VE Day. Uh, The result is certain. Jesus will win, and if we're with Jesus, we'll win with him. But we still have to fight. We still have to battle. And to do that, We need to put on the Christian armor that is detailed in Ephesians 6. Um, Our weapons are not physical, but spiritual.
2: Brilliant, that's us. And I'm sure, um, Gareth, you'll be around a wee bit later afterwards if someone wants to talk um, to you about anything that has been said. Yes,
1: I'm more than happy. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much for coming. And, guys, I really encourage you to, like, um, even talk about what we've heard tonight um, after we're having late night extra. So even round a cup of tea, just to discuss maybe something that God's told you today. Really encourage each other and just talk about tonight.